1: Well, welcome everybody. All right, we're talking about going from self-control to self-discipline. And that is something that is a real challenge for many, many people. I mean, if you look at the studies, uh, at least 25% of all studies about self-control, self-discipline report self-control is one of the most difficult things that uh, a person can be challenged with. You know, what is it? Self-control is is basically the ability to subdue your impulses, your emotions, your behaviors, and 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 it's in order to achieve long-term goals. And it's what separates modern people from their ancient as- ancestors and the rest of the animal kingdom. You know, self-control is primarily rooted in our prefrontal cortex, which is what makes us Uh, Human And it's significantly larger in humans than other mammals with similar brains. So thanks to the prefrontal cortex, rather than immediately responding to every impulse that arises, individuals can plan. They can evaluate alternative actions and ideally avoid doing things they'll later regret. So the ability to exert self-control is typically called willpower, willpower. Willpower is what allows people to direct their attention, and basically what it does is it helps them achieve lots of things from school to the workplace, and so there's significant debate in science as to whether or not willpower is a a finite resource. So some well-known studies have made a case that exercising willpower makes demands on mental energy, and this concept is also called ego depletion and it's also it's one possible explanation for why individuals are more apt to reach for a chocolate chip cookie when they're feeling overworked and and so recently you know scientists have failed to replicate some of the studies underlying the concept of ego depletion so there's there's a lot of work underway but the final verdict on whether people can run out of willpower remains to be seen so what is a failure of self-control? One of the most famous studies of self-control is known as the marshmallow test. And, and, and that found that children who were able to resist eating one marshmallow in order to be rewarded with two in the future later showed higher academic achievement than those who had wolfed down the marshmallow immediately and the studies results seem to indicate that self-control is an innate ability with wide-reaching implications for people's lives. But later studies have suggested that self-control actually changes significantly over a lifetime and can be improved with practice. So better understanding of why individuals give in to some impulses, but are able to be successful to resist others, it's critical for understanding addicted behaviors, impulsive eating disorders. You know, the bottom line is though, folks, anything hard makes life easier. And when people do hard, they become experts. And when people become experts, they are sought for that talent. You know, we often hear people saying things like, I don't have the willpower to do that, as they watch a friend order a salad instead of uh, fried chicken. So it's as if they believe that some people were simply born with divine willpower, while others were overlooked as far as self-discipline superpowers. But the deal is self-discipline, self-control. Self-discipline starts with the learning of self-control, and that's to regulate ourselves from falling into our own impulses. And once again, um, if you look at a 2011 uh, Stress in America survey, 27% of the respondents identified a lack of willpower as the biggest barrier to making a healthy lifestyle changes. And many respondents agreed that they could likely increase their willpower, but the vast majority felt that the key was having to have uh, more time to themselves. And, and many respondents may not have recognized that an increased leisure time doesn't automatically equate to increased self discipline. Self discipline is a decision. And what it means is you wake up in the morning, you get ready, you go to work and then you check in with how you feel. You get up in the morning, you go take a walk, you go run. You don't debate it, you don't look out at the weather, you don't find 5,000 excuses not to do it. You just go do it, and then you check in with how you feel about it after you're done. So, you know, in reality, the only way to improve your self-discipline is through intentional, dedicated practice, as with all types of self-improvement. So change is difficult and it takes time. But the deal is that when we practice self-discipline, we drive up our self-esteem and our self-regard because we're now completing things that we've committed to do. Instead of debating our way through it and emotionally trying to evaluate whether we're happy with what we're doing or not, you throw out the emotion and you only pick the emotions that motivate you to complete So here's what we do. Acknowledge your weaknesses, whether it's cookies, uh, is a downfall to your diet, or you can't resist checking your social media accounts every two seconds. Acknowledging your pitfalls is important. So too often people either try to pretend their weaknesses don't exist or then, or they try to minimize the negative impact of their bad habits have had on their life by basically admitting that they have the problem. And so many smokers think, I could quit if I wanted to because they don't want to admit they're hooked and they don't want to quit right now. Um, the other thing with self-discipline is you want to establish a very clear plan. No one wakes up one day suddenly blessed with self-discipline. You need a strategy, whether you want to increase good habits like exercising or... Or eliminate bad habits like watching too much TV. So develop a plan that outlines the action steps you're going to take to reach your goals. The other thing is remove temptations whenever possible. You know, we'd all like to believe we have enough willpower to resist even the most alluring Enticement, but it only takes a moment of weakness to convince ourselves to cave to temptation. So make it difficult to access those temptations, and that can be pivotal to increasing your self discipline. And if your weakness is Facebook, turn off the internet while you're working. If you can't resist overspending when you go to the mall, leave the credit card at home and take a set amount of cash. This is things that help you understand how to regulate your life. You know, practice tolerating emotional discomfort. It's normal to want to avoid pain and discomfort, but trying to eliminate all discomfort will only reinforce to yourself that you can't handle stress. So we usually stand a lot more discomfort than we think we can. You know, practice allowing yourself to experience uncomfortable emotions like boredom or frustration or sadness, loneliness, and increase your tolerance to the negative emotions that you may experience as you increase your self-discipline. So, you know, it's important for us to visualize long-term rewards. You'll be less likely to cave to temptation when you focus on long-term gain. Giving in to today's temptations may make you feel happy for now. But long-term happiness and commitment requires you to forget immediate gratification. So then try this. Visualize meeting your goals and reaping rewards that you'll gain by practicing self-discipline on a daily basis. You know, the other thing is you want to be resilient. You know, self-discipline comes easier on some days than others. And if you're feeling stressed about an upcoming presentation or you may convince yourself to skip a workout or you you, you're ecstatic about your most recent business deal you may let your good habits slide for a bit making mistakes is part of the process to becoming better so every mistake we make is a learning opportunity it's not something we need to beat ourselves down over the way you recover from those mistakes is what is most important that's what makes you resilient so the key is to acknowledge that your mistakes and then move on from them in, in in with even more resolve to do better the next time and that's how we learn self discipline it's not surprising that those who believe that they lack self discipline are, are envious of those who would appear to be able to exert impressive self control after all you know self discipline is the key to reaching your goals and creating a better life but the good news is that we all have the ability to be self-disciplined. It just takes practice and focus. You know, um, Nietzsche, uh, Frederick Nietzsche created – he was a, f- a philosopher in Germany uh, basically before World War II. Uh, he went crazy, by the way. But he developed a concept called will to power. And unfortunately, Hitler took that concept and believed in it. And he had the will – to provide a concept of what germany should look like and what germany's values should be and how they should go and and that leadership that he offered people became fanatic around even though it was completely distorted wrong moral immoral evil it was horrible but he took that concept and used it and people bought into it and that was to stay on the course no matter how discouraged he is. And so that sense of getting things done, you can either do good with that or bad with it and let's hope that all of us have good spirits and are in in tune with God and want to do good things for each other and make our life beyond just who we are, but beyond something that reaches into other people's lives. That will to power can be a good thing to help us be stronger people, smarter people. You know, good intentions are not enough. So you stick to one's plan is hard work. But as humans, we are poor at following through with our plans. We tend to be ambivalent, about making change and we want to lose weight but we also love to eat so people can resist desire using a lot of strategies one of this is a can-do attitude you know attitude is everything viewing yourselves ourselves as free and responsible for our actions is a foundation For self-discipline. Evidence shows that people function better and are more able to deal with stress when they feel that they're in control. So believing that things are beyond your control, they probably are, but that's called having faith. You know, If you have faith that whatever you're doing is going to try to be contributing to the good, you have a good intention, you may not get the outcome that you're looking for, but God may have another direction, and that direction that you're moving is contributing towards that ultimate uh, outcome. You know, goals, goals, you know, one has to have goals, but basically, you know, they guide our choices. So the more specific a goal is, the better able people are to reach it because they've defined what they want. You know, it's amazing. People are so indecisive. They don't know what they want to do. They don't know what they're passionate about. They don't know what they want for their lives. But when they finally... Wake up and it's usually, unfortunately, the maturity rate is so poor in this world that it's around 30 to 40 before someone figures out what the hell they want to do. And by then, they've been doing something else for forever and are used to the income coming from that. But the deal is, is that when you are passionate about something… You want to integrate that into your life and make it a bigger, bigger, bigger tool in your life. Very important. When we decide on what we want to be, what we want to do with our life, now we have a life direction and all our choices come around that Goal And now people know how to support us because we have that goal in mind. For example, if you want to be a business owner and that's what you're serious about, now people understand how to support you. If you want to be a doctor and that's your goal, now people know how to be a part of your life and where they need to fit so that you can get to that goal. But if you're not serious about it, people are not serious about you. So goals are huge because they're attractive. When people are headed some direction, that is a very sexy thing in people's lives because now people get behind them. They see how serious you're taking. They know that you're doing hard. And now you're becoming an expert at something in your life for once. You know, also self-monitoring. That's a form of feedback. So monitoring your progress towards a goal helps you concentrate on the goal and the activities. So successful uh, dieters count calories, otherwise carefully monitoring their food intake, and that stopping of monitoring often undermines dietary efforts. So self-monitoring helps us become experts on our behavior, and by doing so, it makes habits a whole lot uh, less difficult as far as change is concerned. And that is a very, very important component of our activities. All right, now let's look at motivation. Motivation is huge, huge. So when we're motivated, what we do, the more you want a goal, the more likely you are to be willing to make the efforts and sacrifices that require to achieve it. So the strength of people's commitment to something depends on its value to them and the chance that value will, in fact, occur. And so value is huge because that is the direction that we're going. So people that believe in what they're doing, people that are motivated towards what they're doing, understand how to overcome barriers and how to overcome uh, uh, objections. And so people that are successful in life They know where they're headed. They know what the benefit is of what they're doing, and their goal is to help teach other people what that benefit ultimately is going to be. So the relation between uh, uh, um, commitment to something and, and the change and the value that that will bring is huge. Motivation also requires us to be emotionally intelligent. Because we tap into the emotions that will help us propel ourselves towards that goal. So if it's anger, if it's jealousy, if it's a sense of frustration, if it's a sense of wanting something someone else has, if it's a sense of uh, being happy, um, those goals are motivating. So you want to find which one is it going to do is going to help you to get to where you want to go. And that's managing our emotions. Self-confidence is also an important component of motivation, but self-confident people are people that complete things, people that don't complete things, that are just half you know, doing it out there and they're mediocre, they never finish what they start, that kind of a, a lifestyle develops a self-esteem that is very low. But people with self-confidence know they can get things done and they lead themselves well. Therefore, they lead other people. You know, people won't build up much motivation for change if they believe it's impossible for them. So in the face of difficulties, people with weak self-confidence beliefs easily develop doubts and develop 10,000 reasons not to get anything done. And that's called depression and procrastination. And so the people with strong beliefs are more likely to continue their efforts to master a task when difficulties arrive and other people jump on board to help them at will. All right. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about more tips about uh, self-control and willpower. But we're also going to talk about the challenge that that self-control and self-discipline have with children and how to better that for them. Come back. (laughs)
0: It's your world. Motivate, change, succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Dr. Gary Bell is available for speaking engagements as well as teaching at your seminar or workshop and life coaching 818-7856. It's time to transform your life. Start by tuning in to the Glennie Show. with Glenice Hughes. Glennie combines business, relationships, wealth, life, and a whole lot of magic to create abundance and prosperity in every part of your life. It's all done through straight and often frank discussions in the best way that Glenise knows how. Listen every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time and 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Master your life with The Glenise Show.
1: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
0: Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now, back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology.
1: Welcome back, everybody. All right, we're talking about self-control leading to self-discipline. And they are different. They are very different because self-control is more, or more about a singular events and avoiding impulsivity, while self-discipline is an act that we have learned From repeated self-control where we follow through with the things that we say we're going to do that are hard. You know, so looking at willpower, you know, it's strength. It's uh, psychological energy that a person uses to resist their temptations in order to work towards a goal. You know, uh, self-control depends on an, a limited resource that operates like a strength or energy you know some people develop that sense of self control and willpower by just going to it automatically because they've had to do it for so long they know they have to do hard and so they are willing to invest in process in order to get a greater outcome and so they're not looking for immediate results they understand that life is a process and that things take time and they have to continue to prod along contributing to that outcome. It's kind of like climbing up a mountain. You know, you have to do it one step at a time. And people that relish that each step are the people who are able to look around and hear the birds and listen, look at the wildlife and look at the scenery while other people that are impulsive just want outcomes. And so they're grab, 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 but they never really appreciate what's around them. And they're never really alive because there's coping with life through impulsive actions and then apologetically living because they've made stupid decisions. You know, uh, people consume, uh, that when they exert self-control, They consume quality, not quantity. They consume quality of life. They make quality choices. You know, self-control can be done one goal at a time. And when people have two or more conflicting goals, uh, they're going to have a a very strong uh, barrier to succeeding at both goals. You know, Plato used to say, do one thing and do it well. And that's a good thing. Look at people in sports. When they play a sports well and they continue to develop their skill, they build a sense of success and then eventually they become very wealthy. You know, the other thing is we have to develop Uh, 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 avoiding temptation, and and that requires anticipating situations where we have desires that might emerge and and take proactive steps to ensure that a person doesn't succumb to the problematic desire. For example, avoiding exposure to tempting situations can include uh, making unhealthy foods less visible, uh, keeping a person's home uh, free of unhealthy, tempting foods. We also look at words like what and how mindsets, you know, what questions, uh, what are you doing? Encourages a person to think long term and and think in the sense of pursuing an action. And then the how questions bring about the the mind down to the present and consider the goals attainability or its feasibility. So from a a distance perspective, one sees the forest, but from a near perspective, one sees the trees. So distance impairs our ability to identify specific details of a choice. Uh, You know, uh, the, the devil's in the details. When we decide on a diet, we do so because it's attractive outcomes to us. So, that you know, there are are low-level details associated with that task of going to the gym or avoiding a snack. So, you know, the why questions or the what questions can benefit people to keep ongoing maintaining a new habit, and the how questions means that we're focused on the plan to stay with it. You know, um, as I quoted or as I talked about Nietzsche, he remarked that he who has a why to live can bear almost anyhow. You know, self-control is a pattern of behavior. And, and so while the uh, physical independence of today and tomorrow is real enough, the fact remains that actions today affect actions tomorrow. So, you know, self-control comes from choosing patterns of behavior over time rather than individual acts. And so the decision to stop smoking is, in effect, a decision to begin a pattern of behavior. To smoke the cigarette tonight is to fail to perceive the connection between tonight's act and the pattern of acts over many nights and days. So not smoking tonight makes it easier to smoke tomorrow, and not smoking tomorrow makes it easier not to smoke the next day, and so on. So there's also automated goals. Goals uh, can be enhanced by simply planning and making a strategy, and applying that strategy logically Rather and doing it concretely rather than debating emotionally whether or not you want to do it. You know, if you want something for dinner at a restaurant, then, then uh, choose a vegetarian meal. If people mistreat me, then I can take a deep breath and count to 10. You know, repeated practices associate between the specific situational cl- clues, cues and the intended response. So forming if-then plans... Knowing when we're most triggered is a good idea and then fall back on that to make those good habits go forward. Now, let's look at self-control in kids. You know, sitting still, waiting patiently, thinking things through. These are tough tasks for a lot of kids. But for kids with self-control issues, weaknesses in those areas really make it hard to learn and to make friends. And we can think of self-discipline as the ability to manage ourselves to reach our goals. You know, um, the part that's interesting, if you look back on I talked about the marshmallow experiment, is that if a four-year-old who wanted a second treat trusted the experimenter, they could control themselves to not eat the treat. And they grew happier as adults. You know, it's because these children can manage their impulses to meet their goals. So our ability to manage our emotions and impulses is essentially if we want to meet our goals from getting along on the playground to holding a job as adults who repeatedly fail to realize their aspirations in life. They're certainly going to be less happy, and they're certainly going to be followers, and their life is certainly going to be more subject to other people, managers, owners, people who uh, hire or don't hire them, and they're more likely to be abused. You know, the good news is that there are ways for parents to help their children build brains that are better at self-regulation. So let's look at some of the foundations of self-control, and one of those things is trust parents who are responsive to children's needs foster trust when the hungry infant wakes up crying and the parent picks them up and feeds them they learn to trust that food will come and eventually this child will trust that he he or she will indeed get the treat that they've been promised eventually so um they don't have to eat at this minute They'll be able to soothe their own impatience and worry to manage themselves in stressful situations. So parents help their children reach this uh, mature stage faster every time they soothe anxiety and foster a feeling of safety and acceptance and tr- trust. And not surprisingly, um, the more we mess with trust with the kid, the more we mess them up. Because now they have to fight and find a way to cope with life because we are not consistent or trustable. You know, people that make up their own discipline every time a child does something wrong instead of having a set form of discipline, those people are are instinctively teaching their child to manipulate, and they're teaching their child that that life is inconsistent, and they're teaching their their child to cope, and they're also teaching them how to learn how to lie. And if people that are more rigid and set and smooth in their goals and they have the steady form of discipline that is the same and that is consistent, then a child knows where their behavior fits and where it doesn't. They have much more control of their life. They trust you. They trust the environment they live in much better. Children learn emotional regulation from our own modeling. So Parents who de-escalate drama and soothe their child's upset help the child build a brain that calms down more easily. So every time a child is soothed, their brain strengthens the neural pathways to soothe and regulate emotions. So when we eventually uh, 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 allow them to soothe themselves, they have those highways built and they know how to accomplish that. So, you know, by contrast, when parents can't imagine or manage their own emotions and react angrily or take their child's challenging behavior personally, the child gives a clear message that life is full of emergencies and they need to stay mobilized for protection and attack. And so they build a vigilant uh, neural system that easily escalates and has a harder time calming down, which makes it difficult for them to control their emotions and their behavior. So one of the most important things you can do to help your children learn self-control is to regulate your own crap your own emotions so you stay calm and patient with your child and try to look at that child and go what are they really telling me is it really about them not getting a piece of candy or is it about them being frustrated because they usually get what they want because i usually cave you know some people uh 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 when they use uh, self-control, the capacity of the brain actually increases with, pa- with practice. So kids don't have the ability to resist a treat left available to them, while 30% of, of four-year-olds virtually and virtually all adults do. So what makes the difference? The prefrontal cortex, which is barely developed in a two-year-old, reaches maturity around the age of 25. But there's a wide variation on how fast the prefrontal cortex develops and how well it works at every age. So how do you strengthen the prefrontal cortex? Practice, practice, practice. So some people have theorized that children who are smarter are the ones who are able to wait. But smartness is not static. It's not just the innate ability to be static. It depends on being able to control your impulses, which we know is strengthened every time the child chooses to do so. And any repeated action strengthens the brain. So practice, practice, practice. Also, the brain changes based on experience that is repeated. So every time kids voluntarily give up something they want for something they want more, they build neurological pathways to the frontal cortex that are associated with self-discipline. Once again, every time a child voluntarily gives up something they want for something they want more, they build neural pathways in the frontal cortex that are associated with self discipline. So notice if they ever have to let go of something they want and, and they don't get the chance to practice controlling themselves, the child is practicing self discipline only when they have a goal for instance, two marshmallows soon instead of one, which is more important to them than the immediate desire to have the one marshmallow. Also, self-control is choosing to give up what we want for something we want more. So notice, this doesn't happen unless the child's uh, goal, when they're forced to give something up, isn't practicing self-discipline. So the prefrontal cortex practices self-control every time it chooses to give something up Uh, that treat on the plate for something, it wants more. And that is an important concept to learn how to exercise that and develop and be able to accomplish the things that these kids need to accomplish with their life and survive and thrive. Why would you want any child to choose to overcome their impulse when they want to do something? Because there is something they want more than their immediate impulse, and that something is a warm connection with the parent. And as long as that connection includes a sense of their self as valued and able to meet their needs, over time they make constructive choices and begin to see themselves as a person who acts in a certain way. I'm someone who washes my hands before eating, who uses my words when I'm angry, who does my homework. And over time, that motivates self-discipline and teaches them how to do that. Okay, now self-control starts with yourself. So notice that the child has to make the choice to give up what they want in the moment for something they want more. And so they can't feel forced. This self-discipline is the meaning, uh, the motivation must be internal. It has to be in there. So as a parent, making your child practice self-control won't help the brain develop self-control. Instead, find situations where your child wants to exercise self-control, for instance, you know, uh, play Simon Says or similar games. When you, when your child hits a roadblock in pursuing one of their passions, express your conviction that, yes, that's hard, but hard things are worth doing and you can do hard things. You have done hard things before like X and Y and, and right here I am here to support you in getting that done. You Also, empathetic limits give kids practice and self-discipline. So every time we set a limit that our child accepts, practicing self-control they'd rather keep playing but they get they they get in the bath because there's something they want more than to play all night you know no not 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 a splash over the bathroom but they want a, a loving connection with their parents also so punishment doesn't encourage self-discipline because the child isn't actually choosing to stop what what they were doing they're being forced to stop Doing what they're doing, so we want to get them to make smarter self choices rather than us making them for them. You know, waiting is also a good practice up to a point. You know, there's a common misconception, you know, uh, that 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 uh, you know we can learn self control by just needlessly waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. But that's not true. You know, it, it is important to learn to be patient. It is to learn to to okay. No, you can't have that that drink of water, but you can have that drink of water when we get 10 blocks up to our place and then we can get the water for you because I'm not going to pull over and do that. So you can wait 10 blocks and let's see how that works. You know, that's teaching them patience and that's a good thing and that's a good practice to develop, you know, um. We also know that rigid schedules are the opposite of responsive parenting and that responsive parenting is associated with healthier and emotional development. So at least, you know, it's important for us to be flexible and available. Yes, we follow schedules, but we don't marry ourselves to the schedule and forget the kid that we're raising. And so that is an important component, you know. The skill of waiting, we know that every time we exercise control, we build our ability to to draw on it and meet our goals. So, you know, waiting only helps kids develop self-control if we first observe number one and number two. uh, In other words, if the parent makes the child wait for longer than they're developmentally able to, their anxiety about getting their needs met overwhelms them. And they learn that they have to scream to get what they want rather than learning self-control. And if the parent is yelling at the child to wait, the child learns that it's an emergency which sabotages their attempts at self-control. And we're going to get more temper tantrums and less cooperation. You know, uh, you know, here's an example, a good parenting example. I, I know you are so hungry. The pasta's almost cooked, so so come. Let's let's get to the calendar, the colander, and see if we can drain it. You know, that's that's something where they can participate in the outcome and buy into the idea of having to wait. And, and they and they also learn they eventually get fed. And so, you know, bottom line is on uh, um, waiting is that while we can encourage the development of self-control by empathetically helping our child endure discomfort, it backfires if we make them be tormented and wait long, 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 long periods of time. Also, children learn self-control naturally as they attempt, as they attempt to master the world. So they develop self-discipline when they're motivated by something important Playing with other kids requires them to manage their emotion and impulses. And if you have kids that are isolated or they are uh, by themselves, you know, they are going to have a hard time learning self-discipline because they're in just their own little world with their parents. So it's very important that they're exposed to other children where they have to navigate a relationship with other kids. All right. We're going to take another break. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about self-discipline rules and also a little bit more about self disciplining kids and then building willpower and how to deal with work, business, and life with self discipline and self control. Come back.
0: It's your world. Motivate, change,
1: succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com.
0: Dr. Gary Bell is available for speaking engagements as well as teaching at your seminar or workshop and life coaching Moving forward can be difficult to do sometimes. There is always something going on. Many times, nobody else knows exactly what you're going through. If you are experiencing pain or loss, even something that is unexplained that is missing in your life, You'll want to tune into Go For It with host Joe Hausman. Joe and her guests will show you laughter and love. Sometimes you just need something a little positive in your week. Make that spot Tuesday mornings at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America
1: Empowerment. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7.
0: or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now, back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology.
1: Hey, welcome back, everybody. All right, we're talking about uh, self-discipline and self-control leading to self-discipline. I'm going to finish up on kids because here's some really important things that you could do to teach kids uh, self-discipline. Number one is when they are called, they come. You know, if they come when they're called, When a parent calls a child and the child is yelling what from across the house or a parking lot or whatever, if they can learn to come to a parent, that is the first uh, tool of learning self-discipline. And that's also a place where you can discipline uh, giving a time out or taking something away when they don't come to you when they're called. Also, to respond positively to correction. A lot of kids have a hard time with correction, but uh, most children don't like it. And so they respond negatively, either in an aggressive way or a passive way, like a bad attitude. And that's unacceptable. And it becomes an excellent opportunity to teach self-discipline. So one of the facts of life is that people often must follow directions, which may not be their preference. So if you teach children to respond to a good attitude with a good attitude, as well as the right behavior, this requires self-control and helps children learn to control their impulses. Another thing is uh, a number of social skills require control so you want to praise children when they demonstrate the quality of self-control point out areas they need to work on listening knowing when and how to interrupt Uh, anger control rainy uh, uh repeating back after completing a task all the you know uh um all uh, all the required self-discipline. You know, you want to encourage children to take on activities which build self-discipline, which may be sports or music lessons or a paper route or the responsibility of caring for a neighbor's pet, memorization of a script, a clean room. Uh, There's a whole bunch of activities that help a child learn to be disciplined. You know, when a child receives a reward like a payment for a job accomplished or even a star on a chart, or a, or a secret treat. Talk about self-discipline. You know, external rewards give a great opportunity to talk about internal rewards. And so the real benefit to, to, to uh, having a, a little job like maybe mowing people's lawns is building self-discipline. So you're pretty determined and responsible to get up every morning. You know you would have the rather play the game, uh, Rather than, uh, you know, like I'll just lay in bed rather than go walk the dog. Well, go walk the dog and see how that feels. You, you also want to use bedtimes to teach self-discipline. Some children have a really hard time going to bed without creating a battle. And this becomes a real good opportunity. It requires a lot of self-control for a child to stay quietly in bed while parents are still awake. So set a bedtime. Develop a routine which covers all the necessary bedtime tasks and work at getting your child to stay in bed without mom and dad falling asleep in the room. And this requires work on the part of the parent, but also pays off tremendous dividends in the end. You know, morning routines, chores, family schedules. That's an opportunity for children to learn self-discipline. So here's some things you need to tell yourself do it if you hate it. Do it if you hate it. Why? Well, if you hate it, there's a reason you hate it, probably because you love the outcome, but you don't want to do it. You know, uh, if you hate something, that means you have strong feelings for it. And if you have strong feelings for it, you know, hate is the opposite, not the opposite of love. Apathy is the opposite of love so when we hate something we also love it so start enjoying the process of getting more of what we love and that means do what you hate you know accountability builds resilience you know that's another lesson that the power of emotional support each of us is paired up with, with a, 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 another person to make sure that we're held accountable for the things that we say we're going to do. So, so once we are, are putting out there that I'm going to do this, we need to accomplish that, but we need to also make sure people are holding us accountable for what we're doing. And, and we also want to have our own career Uh, report cards. You know, our career is usually what supports us through life. That's our survival mechanism. It's something that we have to have. And if we don't hold ourselves accountable for our careers and our development and our self-development and where we should be financially or where we want to be financially and where we may not be right now financially, don't accept where you are Except where you need to be. And if it's something that it's a financial goal, that's great. If it's a personal goal, that's great. But you need to keep having a report card as, am I getting where I need to go? You also want to use your imagination. And, and that means you want to visualize what you want and then relax and allow your brain to rest. Our brains work like a muscle. If you work out consistently, you will build muscle mass. But if you work out too many times in a day... You damage your muscles. So, you know, reps and rest. We must work on our willpower and the rest with another act. And, and so we can do the same with unwanted temptations at bay. You know, the uh, uh, Dostoyevsky, a, a Russian ri- writer, Fyodor Dostoyevsky, he said, try to pose for yourself in this task. Not to think of a polar bear. You will see the cursed thing come to mind every minute. So, if we look at what we're trying to do as a bad thing, we will treat it as a bad thing. And so, we lose our ability to uh, to, to respond and to do what we need to do and to complete. You know, uh, willpower gets depleted uh, throughout the day, and it can be. You know, so if you try to take control of your trim, uh, temper, ignore distractions, refuse uh uh refuse to take into temptations like a muscle we can get uh exhausted by overuse but but it's not like our physical muscles but but it is kind of like that there are some researchers who believe that we might be able to strengthen our willpower by training our ability to have the ability to say no to the things that hurt us you know uh, um Increase your capacity for pressure. Learning how to manage stress is a huge thing that gets people through with strong willpower. If you start with, I need to manage my stress levels and also learning to work under stress and being able to focus on getting an outcome under that stressful environment, that is huge, huge for people. And and so, you know, a lot of people, when they get stressed, their brain just goes out the window. And that's not a good thing. So we want to have the ability to have faith that we're going to do well in a uh, stressful situation. You also want to encourage yourself to to stick to your plan, you know, to make it even easier. It appears that that, that self-affirmation can help you have more self-control when you're running out. And so, you know, saying, I know I can do this. I know I can do this. I need to stop thinking about what I'm doing. I need to stop feeling what I'm doing. I need to start functioning in what I'm doing and function well and sit back and relax and enjoy it. You know, I actually, me personally, I love taking tests. I love taking exams because I love the challenge, but I get tired if the the exam is a rigorous exam. And so, the deal is, is by stepping back and just saying okay, let me learn how to read this question better. Let me learn a little bit more about what they're really asking. Let me see if the answer that my instincts tell me to answer is really just a first impulse that they're hoping I'll pick and be wrong rather than the right answer. Can I look a little deeper? And that lets us learn a little bit more about ourselves and develop a sense of willpower and develop a sense of self-discipline. The next thing is get a lot of sleep. You know, people who don't get enough sleep, they don't realize how inefficient their brains become, especially the prefrontal cortex. Sleep depredation, uh, getting less than six hours a night is a kind of really chaotic stress that impairs how your body and your brain, use energy the prefrontal cortex is especially hard hit and it loses control over the regions of the brain that create cravings and stress response so you know a lot of studies have shown we can make this work in our favor by ensuring we get enough sleep well how do you fall asleep well I've done a few shows on it. I could tell you it's very simple focus on a function focus on a function what's the function how well am I breathing breathing gives you oxygen oxygen makes your brain work And it also makes us relax. So we ask ourselves one simple question. Am I breathing through my mouth? Yes or no? And how well am I breathing? And if you're getting a lot of oxygen and you just continue to focus on how am I breathing, your brain gets bored. It shuts down because it has nothing to think about. And just like a computer screen after about three minutes, bing, you go to sleep. And that is how to go to sleep, folks. And if we overthink it and use that as a time to process our day, uh, that's what dreams are for. They're meant to reprocess our, uh, process the emotions that we went through in a previous day by inventing all kinds of fleeting situations to help us emote emotions that we didn't get rid of the day before. And then we can now start fresh intellectually and emotionally. You know... Also, meditation has a long been linked to increased reverse reserve of willpower, and, and so it improves our function, our focus, our stress management, our self-awareness. And it doesn't take a lifetime of practice. Brain changes have been observed in about eight weeks of brief daily meditation training. Better exercise and nutrition, the most ignored route to greater willpower, is Exercise and nutrition. Having control of exercise. Exercise is not just a workout for your body, it's a workout for the brain. It releases huge amounts of endorphins and serotonin and dopamine that our brain needs to function well and stay self regulated. But people who don't uh, exercise and don't have good nutrition oftentimes don't have healthy brains. You know, uh, what's important now? What's important now is living in the now, and that is imperative for people. If you can do that, if you can say, my life is about this moment that I'm in, we have a much better way of living than worrying about the future and the past. You know, all things are in short supply in our lives. Self-control is likely one of the most important things we could do. Looking at the big picture and going towards it, knowing the perils of inadequate sleep and what it's going to do with our relationships and the people that we know, learning to relax, do short bouts of exercise, you know, get digital self-control support where there's, you know, apps that can help us learn how to exercise self-control, apps that can help you exhibit control when you're online. There are other ways to help you outsource your self-control, like a a, a self-blacklist service to help keep you from quitting. You know, there's all kinds of blogs and stuff like that to help you learn self-discipline. The biggest thing is know yourself. Emotional self-control or impulse control are cornerstones of emotional intelligence. Know yourself so you can manage your emotions and manage your impulses. You also want to avoid uh, 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 decision fatigue. You know, self-control has important implications in the quality of our decisions, but it also helps us uh, develop what's called a moral foundation. And if we have a gauge, a moral foundation, a value system, which, by the way, you can get from the Bible, that helps us understand how to make decisions so that we're not having to think and rethink and think and rethink all the time. Here's another thing that helps the brain big time lemonade. Lemonade, orange juice, sugary uh, juice will help the brain restore its electrical <laughs> uh, development. The, the, the neurological development of the brain is spurred on by sugar. And sugar can help our brain become more calm and effective. Now, that's our show. I want to thank everybody for listening. I'd love to hear from you. drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Now, remember, this one's not funny. Self-discipline is the one factor that separates the rich, the middle class, and the poor. And now, remember, real self-control is not eating all the popcorn before the movie starts. Thanks for listening. That's our show for
0: this week. Please join Dr. Gary Bell for another edition of Absurd Psychology next Friday at 12 noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now go impress your friends and family with what you've learned today and have them tune in next week so they can be almost as smart as you.